This is Darren Davis, founder and senior leader of the Harbor Church in South Florida, and you are listening to the Harbor Church Podcast. For more information about this podcast and others, visit us online at harborchurch.org. Enjoy the podcast. It's so good to be with you guys. Oh my goodness. Uh, Yeah, we could probably spend the whole time just reminiscing but I really feel like there's a word that we need to hear. Um, but short and sweet, we love you. We love Harbor Church. Uh, our story began here. And Darren and Wendy have been probably the most influential couple in our lives, uh, leadership-wise, just being faithful to the Lord, being faithful to the call of God. And um, we honor you. Thank you. Thank you for having us back. Uh, let me pray for us. And then we'll, we'll get going. Father, thank you. Thank you for your love that is so inexhaustible that we could never tire you out. We could never wear you out. We get worn out pretty easily, Lord, but you time and time again show yourself to be true, that you are the inexhaustible God, that you are the, the one who pours out his spirit without any hesitation on anyone who's willing to receive. And so we, we open our hearts to you today, Lord. We open our minds, our spirits. We want to receive from you, Holy Spirit. In the name of Jesus, we bless the word. Amen and amen. Amen. I heard a couple things, and I want to just say what I heard. Um, I heard a couple things. First thing I heard when I sat down this morning was... Um, The Philistine has been slain. I don't know what that means, but I I sat in that chair and I I was like, the Philistine has been slain. Um, Obviously, that has a lot of connotation to it. We all know who the Philistines are. If you don't know, you're probably blessed. (laughs) But the Philistines were a people group that were always used by the Lord to purify and refine Israel when Israel got away from the purity of their calling. And then God would raise up people like David to show his might. See, that that story wasn't about David. It was about God. Right? Right? Now, we understand that when we read scripture, we typically read it through the lens of our own understanding, and we relate it to ourselves. It's like if, if you're white, you might think Jesus is white. If you're black, you may relate to him that you think he's black. Italian, he's Italian. Like, that's just how we are. God knows this about us. But God's goal in our relationship with him, no matter our race, our creed, our color, whatever our ideology is, his goal is, I want you to become like me. I want you to think like me. I want you to act like me. I want you to give me away. I want to give, I want to give myself. Because ultimately, God is a giver. Do you know that? God is a giver. He is looking for people to give himself to. The Latin word pater which is where we get our word father. It's also where we get the word pattern. How do we worship the uncreated God? How do you approach 
the, the God that Paul says is in, lives and dwells in unapproachable light. How do you come near a person like that? It's like maybe there's a celebrity that you love and every time you get around them, maybe you've shaken their hand before and you're just like, oh, you know, they call it fanboying, right? Like, oh, I don't even know who I am anymore. It's you. I've been listening to your music or watching your You know, and these are the same people that wake up every morning and go to the bathroom and have bad breath and, you know, like... It'd be a whole other context to meet someone like that, right? Could you imagine meeting, like, Celine Dion when she just woke up and, you know, <laughs> and you're like, she's, she's not a celebrity. She, she's, not, she's not dwelling in that unapproachable light. See, without Jesus, God would just be this distant person that we would never have relationship with because he lives and dwells in glory. Oswald Chambers says... Without Jesus, God would be a mere abstraction. He would be the fire by night. He would be the cloud by day. He would be the voice of thunder that we would all be afraid of. We can't come near a God that we're afraid of. But Jesus came so that we could be near to God. And in fact, nearness is not even the goal. It is oneness. You and I being one with him and revealing him to our world by the power of the Spirit. So we have to understand that. We have to understand that every time we open up scripture, scripture and begin to read it and go, Lord, I want to learn. I want to memorize. I want it's, it's not ultimately about you and me. It's ultimately about him being revealed. So that story wasn't about David. It was actually about God showing Israel, all of you scaredy cats, I'm going to take a little shepherd boy who is not under the influence of that demonic ideology and the sound, the sound. There was a sound, remember, 40 days. He would get up and he would hurl insults, the champion. Have you, maybe you've had that in your life where every day you wake up and all you hear is, you good for nothing, no good, Dad, you should die, you shouldn't even be, al-. I mean, if that's the, the cloud that you wake up under every day, who would want to live in that? Of course, suicide would become an option. Better just end it, because this is horrible. This isn't life. What did Jesus promise? I have come to give you life, and not just life like, hey, you exist. That's, life is not existence. Life is thriving. It's living to the fullest that God intended for you to be. Having everything he created you to have. None of it being lost or sold. Now, the, the father of lies who comes to steal, kill, and destroy. That's his mission. That's what he's on the planet to do. And God allows him, just like he allowed the Philistines, to purify and refine your calling. So anytime you have demonic activity in your life, you you don't need to go, oh my God, I'm, I'm terrible and I've done something wrong. God's trying to bring correction. Now you don't, you definitely don't want a demon in your life. And if you have those, get rid of them. Find someone that's walking in the power of the spirit and the, and the word. Get it out of your life. Repent, renounce. We've, we've done it many times. In fact, let's just do it right now. I'm just, no, I'm just kidding, just kidding. I like messing with it, you know, because it's, you got to kind of had to debunk a little, a little bit. Because Jesus, who is Jesus? Who is he? Will the real Jesus please stand up? We live in a world of opinions and criticisms and ideologies that are being 
forced upon us everywhere we go, constantly with our phones, with our screens. And I think technology is amazing, but I'm finding myself in the second half of my life going, Lord, I've loved your voice ever since I was a boy when you called me. And now I'm like, I need to hear your voice even more clearly as I have a wife and children and generations ahead of me. It becomes, Andrew, I need your focus. I need you to be focused. I will provide for you. You are not your own provider. I am your provider. Everything that you need, every breath that you take, I am your provider. I will give you life. All of my fountains are in you, the psalmist says. Okay? This is just a primer. We're just getting primed up. But God has a purpose and a plan for South Florida that no God of mammon could ever destroy. People worship mammon here. They do it without even knowing it. It's one of the most affluent, financially blessed places, and it's also one of the least generous places in the world. Isn't that interesting dichotomy, that you have all the money in the world and the least generous people? Why is it that people that are poor have such an easy time to give? Because you realize this doesn't have any hold on me when you have nothing. I just watched a video a guy named Isaiah Garza, you can go look it up on Instagram. He went up to this, this Mexican woman who was selling donuts, and he, he said, uh, hey, I don't have any money. I don't have any cash. And he showed his wallet. Would you, could you spare me a donut? And she was like, absolutely. And she gives him three. And he's like, no, I just want to, no, have three. And she picked him out. And she, she was like, here, you can have it. And he goes, thank you so much. You know what? I actually, I want to bless you. And he pulls out $500. In, in pesos, and he gives it, and she starts weeping. He's like, no, I just want to give it to you. I'm not buying them. I'm just giving this to you. And she's weeping, and then he goes up and gives the donuts to somebody else, right? And it was so powerful, as you can imagine. It was, so, it was life-shattering because we live in a world where you buy and sell, and we are taught from birth that this is how we are supposed to live. You buy and sell. That is not the way of the kingdom, The kingdom is you give and you receive. You give and you receive. Well, what do you have? Jesus said, use what you have because if you don't use what you have, even what you have will be taken from you. I mean, that sounds really harsh, and in a way it is, but it's illustrating a point that of his heart to us that God loves growth. He loves generosity. He loves abundance. That's why Jesus came and said, I have come to give you life and life abundantly. I'm qualifying my statement. I don't want you just to exist in this world. I want you to thrive and to be everything I've made you to be. It is not pride or arrogance for you to stand out, says the Lord. It is my glory on you. And see, we get around people that shine a little bit and we, we tend to elevate them. And we stay at the base of the mountain. Can I just say, the holy man doesn't go up to the mountain alone. The holy woman doesn't go up to the mountain. God's plan was always for that nation to come up into his presence. Always, everyone, a kingdom of priests. And the only thing, you remember what it was? What was the one thing that stood in the way? What was the one sin? Unbelief. I don't believe you. Have you ever had someone come to you and say, I've got it all planned out. We're going to go here. We're going to do this. It's all been paid for. Imagine a cruise. You've been given a cruise. It's all expenses paid. 
and then you get to the dock. You've even got a ticket and you are permitted to go onto this cruise and enjoy everything about it. And then right before you step on, you just say, I don't believe that this will get me in. I'm sorry, I can't do it. That is essentially what happens with the Lord. That is the one unforgivable sin. We, the Bible editors call it blaspheming the spirit. Truly what it means is a spirit of unbelief. I don't believe you, Lord. I don't believe what you said. And can I even just say that belief is not determined by your understanding. Belief is a decision to say, I don't get all of what you're doing, God, but I know that you are the living God. That to me is the greatest distinction in the world that we live. There are gods that are dead, and then there's the living God. And he shows himself in scripture time and time again to be the God who gives us life. So as you're listening to this message, I want you just to receive life from God. He's come to empower us, to strengthen and encourage us, not to harm us, not to hurt us, not to rebuke us. He's not here to tell you every bad thing you've ever done and to punish you. That is the way of the father of lies. The way of the Father of glory is I've come to give you you. I've come to give you you back. What the world needs is you. Do we get tired? Do we get exhausted? Absolutely. Try doing three-month ministry tour with three kids, and you'll find out what you're really made of. And we're on our faces a lot more these days. But can I say it's also been an incredible journey so far for us. We have a nine-year-old boy named Liam, an f- almost five-year-old boy named Lucas, and we just had a little baby girl, uh, Lila Rose. Our, our, they're all miracles, but she was definitely like, she slid in there right at, right at the last second, you know. <laughs> She's like, don't. You can't go on that tour without me, Daddy. I'm coming. And she is the most beautiful little nugget. She is, like, uh, so tender and so um, peaceful. And our boys are just maniacs, and I love it. I love it. It's like, what a great—God we, we, knew we needed her. He did. We, we needed her. Did you know that? that? God needed you to be in the family that you were in? You weren't born into the wrong family. Our parents fail us, all of them. They all do. But that doesn't mean we were born in the wrong family. God has blessing for you. Blessing. I want to pour, uh, uh, point out just a couple of scriptures. We need to end at like 10 minutes, right? 15 minutes. I'm going to give you the, the short synopsis of the mission that we're on right now. As Darren had shared, we, we pastored a campus in Virginia Beach uh, for the last two and a half years. Actually, during the COVID season, we came off of itinerant ministry, said, okay, we'll, we'll help plant, even though that's not in our, you know, that's not really, it wasn't in our plans. And so we said, okay, so January 1, 2020, we come off traveling and doing that, and we come to plant this church, and then the whole world shuts down. In fact, all the churches shut down in pretty much our area, um, and we were planting one. 
And you can imagine all the hurdles that we had to walk through, all of the, I mean, we don't even want to talk about it because we all get triggered. Like, like, can we just forget about what happened in 2020? Can I say, can I just say we can't? And it's very important that we heal from that trauma. It's very important. It's very important that we heal it, we grieve it, and we move on. Because we live in a world of noise, and noise doesn't heal. It just covers up. In fact, I'm a worship leader. I'm a musician. I went to school for music. And what I'm finding is that music can often be, in our current culture, it can be an escape from reality. In fact, we could come to church and sing the songs and not actually worship. Because what we create with our worship isn't what God is looking for. Did you know there's an appropriate way to come in his presence? There's an appropriate way. If I were to come over to Darren and Wendy's house, there would be an appropriate way to knock on their door and walk in and, and you know, talk and, and be in their presence, be in their home. And then there would be an un- inappropriate way. Like if I just walked in and like opened their fridge and started rolling around in their bed, like, you know what I mean? Like if you were to go into President Biden's office, the Oval Office, that is a powerful office, right? It's a, it holds a lot of power. If I were to barge in there, would that be the right way to appropriate my presence in his presence? No, it wouldn't be. I would need to say, hello, Mr. President. It's an honor to be with you. Thank you for letting me to come into this very exclusive place. Like, it, It's the same with the Lord. And the more that we study scripture and we see what the Lord actually loves and likes, our worship becomes a closer expression to what his heart desires. And the Lord loves worship. He loves praise. I want to just point out a couple scriptures in Luke 10. If you have your Bibles, turn to Luke 10. We've got, we've got it here. I'm going to start in verse 17. I'm in the NIV Bible. So the Lord has sent out the 72 disciples, all right, two by two. This is their first missionary journey, right? He gives them some very specific instructions of what to do on this trip. Okay, so they go out. Now they're coming back, and this is how they return to Jesus after he sent them out to do the work of the ministry. Imagine it, like you're in a ministry school. This is the first time you guys are going out and you're coming back and you're here to talk to your leader. And he's like, it says, verse 17, the 72 returned with joy. It's an important distinction. And then this is what they said to Jesus. Lord, even the demons submit to us in your name. Okay, so they come back from their first mission. They're excited, but they're full of joy. Joy. Not happiness, joy. The state of God's being. God is with them. He's moving through them. They're experiencing what God feels like. They come back with joy. And then Jesus, in brilliant fashion, responds to what they say. Even the demons submit to us in your name. He goes, he doesn't even like talk about that. He just goes, I saw Satan fall like lightning. He doesn't even say, wow, guys, the demons? That's cool. They do that to me too. No, immediately he reminds them. I saw Satan fall like lightning. 
And so they're like, okay. He's, he, Yoda's teaching us again. <laughs> I mean, right? I saw Satan fall like lightning from heaven. I have given you authority to trample on snakes and scorpions and to overcome. Say overcome. 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 That is the nature of the New Testament Christian. That is your nature now. So whatever trials, we all love the promises of God, right? Oh, the promises of God are yes and amen. How about this promise? Trouble will find you. That's a great promise. Do we, we don't sing about that in church too much. Hey, trouble will find you. But take heart, for I have what? Overcome the world. Now that overcoming spirit is now yours and mine. It now belongs, to, it's not like, hey, it's loaned to us. It has now become our identity to overcome situations. Trouble is going to find us. Your bills are going to need to be paid. Things are going to go wrong. And you're going to go, God! And that's how it's supposed to be. Not, hey, the demon's submitting to us in your name. Because that's our nature. We start to take the credit without even knowing it. We start to think it has to do with us. I'm good. But isn't that what happened with Satan from the beginning? I'm good. I look good. I sound good. I feel good. I want what you have. In fact, I want that seat. That is the trajectory of sin. It creeps in and it starts to convince you that you can have what God has and you can never have what God has unless he gives it to you. I saw Satan fall like lightning from heaven. I have given you authority to trample on snakes and scorpions and to overcome all the power, all the power, all the power, all, all of it. That doesn't mean you won't find yourself in conflict and you won't be questioning at times. But can I just say this overcoming spirit, Jesus is, and this is pre-cross, right? He hasn't even died yet. In fact, all of his teaching in the gospels was pre-cross. Hasn't even been activated to overcome all the power of the enemy, nothing will harm you. However, and this is, this is the point. However, do not rejoice that the spirits submit to you. We, you've misappropriated your praise. Don't rejoice in that. And then he corrects it. But rejoice that your names are written in heaven. Rejoice in that. So he's not telling them, don't rejoice. Don't be excited at what's happening around you as you're going to minister in my name. Don't, don't, like, don't dumb it down to the lowest common denominator. I want you to rejoice, but everywhere you go, I want you to be rejoicing in the fact that your names are written in the Lamb's book of life. That is where our praise resides, that we are living, animated beings We are living expressions of God in the earth, full of his power and his authority, not to dominate and to control, but to reveal the nature of God to a world that doesn't even know his name. And then this is my favorite part, verse 21. At that time, so in the middle of this little Yoda moment with Jesus, at that time, Jesus, full of joy, through the Holy Spirit, He goes, 
I praise you, God. He left. That Hebrew word for praise means he left with joy. He was showing them. He was showing them in person. This is how I want you to be. I want you to rejoice. I praise you, Father. Why did he call him, why did he call him Father right there? Because you and I get our names from Father. Every family on the earth derives its identity from Father, from the original pattern. Don't deviate from the pattern. When others come to tempt, oh, that was just... That was just a fad. That was just a popular... No, I've given you a prescription to be in my presence, to reveal my nature. And I want to say that it looks like praise. I praise you, Father, Lord of heaven and earth, because you've hidden these things from the wise and intelligent, and you have revealed them to little children. Yes, Father, for this was your good, good pleasure. Isn't that amazing? Can we just like bask in that? That in this moment, God wasn't rebuking his disciples and saying, you got it wrong, guys. He just, like a beautiful father can, he just redirected and said, I want you to rejoice. Now turn with me to Psalm 149 real quick. And I'm gonna tie in a couple things. Um, so we have been for the last nine months, pioneering a worship movement called Restore the Roar. I don't have the time to get into all of it, but if you want to know more about it, download our app. It's free. It's got all of the content from all of our roars on there. You can watch it, stream it. Um, Yep, there it is. It's pretty cool. Uh, I want to say a couple things about what Restore the Roar is. It's not a brand. It's not a... All it is is just a bunch of hungry Jesus freaks. People that just love, people that are desperate for Jesus and want to see his kingdom come. And can I say this about ruling and reigning with Christ? Kim, you know this. Our ability to reign on the earth with Jesus is directly related to our ability to receive. We cannot reign with God unless we receive. We can't reign with him because It takes him to reign. And if we begin to cut off and compartmentalize our hearts and say, no, I got this, I got that. See, salvation came by what way? It came by surrendering your life, giving your life totally to him. And it stays that way. The life of God flows that way. When we get older, we start to think, no, I've learned a few things. And I, I got this, God. And God's saying, no, you don't got this. You don't know what's ahead of you. You don't know where I'm leading you. You may have a sense of it. I may have promised you a few things, but you don't know it all. In fact, Proverbs 3, 5, and 6 says, trust in the Lord with all your heart. Don't try to figure out everything on your own, Eugene Peterson says. Lean not on your own understanding. Because you know what? That thing, that curve comes real quick. And you don't have time to course correct. And sometimes we wipe out. And you get a couple of wipeouts in life, and man, it's hard to bounce back. Amen? It's hard to bounce back. When you get a blow, when you get a trauma to your life, a death, a divorce, or whatever, those things are so hard to get through. Amen? How can you do it without God? You, I don't think people can. They, they, they may cover it up, but 
you know, whether it's drugs or whether it's gambling or whether it's, you know, escapism. Can I just say the point we were even talking about it on the way here this morning? We're in a marriage with God. You can't get away from him. You wake up next to him every day. And marriage, if I were to tell young people, and I, I do, I say, marriage is not about the other person. Even though they may make you feel good, I, I tell them, marriage, all, you want to know what marriage is? Marriage is about facing yourself. <laughs> and that's a scary thing to do. <laughs> Face yourself. Can I just say, with Jesus, it's the same thing. Jesus does not want a version of us that we think is acceptable to him. He wants the version that he made. He wants you. And how do you experience, how do we experience that? I want to propose to us that praise is one of the ways that we manifest the kingdom. A kingdom is a kingdom because there's a king. And that king gives the value system to that kingdom. The nature of that kingdom is directly related to his nature. If he's a wicked king, you're going to see wickedness. If he's a righteous king, you're going to see righteousness, right? Jesus is the, the high king, the king of kings. And he has a way about him. And he wants that way. And he showed us in Luke 10, I praise you, Father. Could you, have you ever imagined Jesus being a praise and worship leader? He was leading them in praise. He was demonstrating, this is how I want you to be. I want you to rejoice that the Father in heaven knows your name. In Psalm 149, we get into this, and it's one of the halal, the halal psalms. In fact, almost every word for praise in Psalm 149 is the Hebrew word halal, which is where we get the word hallelujah, right? So the word hallelujah is not a word. It's actually two words in Hebrew, halal, yah, right? Praise God. But there are many words for praise in the Hebrew language, and all of them, can I say this? You might want to write this one down. All of them are actions, okay? Worship is about serving, and I know that you guys are in a, a, a series called Servolution. Worship is giving your life consistently with a heart of a servant unto God. That is our lifestyle. Romans 12, 1 and 2, Paul said, present your bodies. That's a physical thing. Have you presented your body to the Lord today? Did, here I am, God. I could be a few LBs lighter, but you, this is what I'm giving you. <laughs> right? I'm here. In fact, there's a Hebrew phrase, Hanani, it means here am I, right? And everybody says it in, in the Old Testament when God starts calling their name. Hey, where are you? Hanani, here I am. Abraham said it. David said it. Isaiah said it. They all, they all had the same. It, it means here I am. I'm standing at attention and I'm ready and willing to do whatever you tell me. Because I recognize that voice, that, that is not the voice of a dead God, right? You know who didn't say it? And it breaks my heart. Adam didn't say it. When the father came to walk with them in the garden, after they had sinned, can you imagine God the father, this is his heart. He's like, I'm still coming to walk with you. I know what you did. And I still came for our appointment. 
Where are you? And they hid. They hid from him. Sin had already corrupted their mind to the point where they believed that God was going to hurt them. This is what we're coming out of, beloved. This is why we have to praise. This is why we have to come into the presence of the Lord and allow him to give himself to us. This is what he's doing in the earth. He's, he's made a promise to restore the fallen ruins of David's tent. It's not something I came up with. It's not something anybody else came up with. God himself promised, I will restore the fallen ruins of David's tent. And so the Lord began to speak to us about two and a half years ago during the COVID season. He said to me very clearly, he said, Andrew, I want to restore the roar of worship back to America. In fact, the Puritans believed in their culture back in the 1600s, 1700s. They believed that every breakdown in society was directly related to a breakdown in worship. Wherever you saw crime increase, there wasn't people praising there. Now, I love prayer as much as anybody. I'm praying all the time. But can I just say that oftentimes we put prayer in the place of praise when praise is necessary. Why do we need to praise God? Why has it been commanded to us over a thousand times in Scripture? Did you know that it's the most repeated command in Scripture to praise God? And here Jesus is showing them in this teaching moment what it looks like, leaping, rejoicing. See, we rejoice because he's joicing. To rejoice means that someone's already joiced or or is currently joicing. And that would be the Father. He's rejoicing over you and me. Zephaniah 3.17, the Lord is a victorious warrior. And he's rejoicing over us with his love. So I know we got to go. I just want to make a couple more points here because it's really important by the spirit. I hope that you get it. Don't listen to my words, but receive, receive this. Praise. Did you know that David made a vow? I will praise you, Lord, seven times a day. He built into his life times to literally demonstrate to the Lord praise. We just talked about worship being our lifestyle. Praise is not praise until it becomes physical. Can I say that to you? It's biblical truth. Praise is not praise until it becomes physical, until it is a demonstration. The inward reality becomes an external reality. How do we see the kingdom of God manifest? When the inward impression of the spirit is given external expression. You ever, you ever thought to yourself, I could just see myself wakeboarding. Never wakeboarded before. Or I could just see myself Formula One racing. Like I should go. You can see it in your mind. You can see it. Have you ever thought of, I could see myself grabbing that little microphone at the the grocery store, Publix, and starting to preach to people? You ever had a, a moment like that? Like you're feeling the anointing and it's like, can I just say that's Holy Spirit giving you an inward impression and to see the outward expression of the kingdom, you give outward expression to it. Now it may be crazy and you may never get to shop at that Publix again. But what happens if you are hearing from the Lord? What if you're hearing from the Lord and you're like, I can't, this is scaring the crap out of me, man. I can't, but I got to be obedient 
So I'm going to grab the mic. Hey, guys, I know you don't know who I am. But can I just tell you that God is real and he healed me of brain cancer two times. And if you need prayer for anything in your body, I'm going to be out on the sidewalk where they can't arrest me and I'm going to pray for everybody. We got to live outward. And I want to just say this one last thing. I won't go through Psalm 149 like I was... I was saying, and if you need to go get your kids, you won't disturb me, go get them. We live in a constant state of halal with our three kids. In fact, that we were in Italy in September for the first time we went to Florence and uh, we were, me and my son, Liam, like Liam's like, I'll be out there like lifting my kettlebells, you know, in the garage and I'll just be like, glory to you, Jesus. And they, like, they used to think something was wrong. And then they realized, oh, dad's just halaling back there. You know, like he's, He's just praising the Lord. And so I was in Florence with Liam, and I'm grabbing, we're walking, you know, hand in hand. And I'm like, I'm like, buddy, I think we should halal here. And he's like, no, dad. No, they'll think we're idiots. No, I'm like, that's the point. Like, we want to, we got to, like, this place needs the praise. It's got so much Catholic tradition, and I love tradition. But when you don't have life, what is your tradition? Would you rather have tradition, or would you rather be animated? living expressions of God in the earth. This is what Jesus literally went to the cross for, gave his blood that we would be alive like he is alive. And he's living right now and he's making intercession for you and me that we would walk in the same manner that he did. David understood this, so real quick. Psalm 149, the first Four verses. We'll just go there. Please read this. Praise the Lord. Halal the Lord. Sing to the Lord a new song, his praise in the assembly of the saints. Let Israel rejoice. Now here's that word again. Rejoice. It is the Hebrew word gil. And you know what it means? It means to spin under the violent emotion of joy. Let Israel rejoice. So now we're going to read it like that. Let Israel spin under the violent emotion of joy because I made them. Let them praise his name with dancing. And make music to him with the tambourine and harp. For the Lord takes delight. Another, another one says, takes pleasure. Do you remember what Father said to Jesus? Three times during Jesus' earthly ministry, he said it three times. And everybody heard it every time. This is my son whom I love and whom in him all my pleasure dwells. I propose to you that we've been commanded over a thousand times to praise the Lord because we needed to hear it. A thousand times. It is not in our natural inclination to praise God like that. In fact, we need music, and I love me, I'm a musician. We need music sometimes to prompt us. I need my favorite worship song to get me in the mood so I can get my praise on, you know? Like, no. Can I propose to you that the scriptures teach us that when you make a decision to lift up 
the name of Jesus over your life, over your home. And this is what halal means. I want to give you the definition, okay? You can go look it up. To halal God, it means to rant, to rave, to boast, to act clamorously foolish, to flash like a bolt of lightning. I saw Satan fall like lightning because that's what he was. He was praise. And when that praise corrupted his mind and sin corrupted his heart, I cast him down and he fell like lightning. But now I've given you the mantle that he once had, and I want you to release it in the earth. I want you to be a bright celebration because as Psalm 149 says, for the Lord takes pleasure in his people and he crowns the humble, those that come underneath his leadership. He crowns them with salvation. I want to say this too about praise. Praise is the ultimate flesh killer. It's the flesh killer. So when you feel like you shouldn't do it, that's probably the time that you should be doing it. David understood this. He was leaping and dancing for joy. Now it is not about your feelings. It's not about, I don't, I'm not in the mood. It's a decision of your will. But can I say that every commandment always has a blessing attached to it, right? Every command in scripture has blessing. So we're gonna end, I know we gotta go, 11.46. Would you stand with me? Would you mind just holding for a second? I wanna say this about halal praise. There's no music with it. And in fact, if you go further in the scripture, that type, this type of praise, because there's many different types of praise, but this specific type of praise, it pronounces judgment on rulers, CEOs, kings. What it's doing in the spirit realm is it's saying to the spirit realm, there is a higher power. There's a higher being. His name is Yahweh now revealed in Jesus and we're calling on his name and we're asking his kingdom to come into this space by ranting, raving, boasting, acting clamorously foolish, a bright celebration flashing like a bolt of lightning, like one who's just been given in marriage those are all the definitions wrapped around halal, so imagine what that would look like and I actually had a friend of mine come to me and said Andrew I did what you told me to do, I've never praised God like that just on my own And I started doing it in my own time, just releasing that to the Lord. He's like, man, instantly the flow of heaven was, it was like I was in church. We're going to do it here right now, and then we'll go. Are you with me? You with me? You with him? You have faith for it? Doesn't even matter if you don't feel like it. I want you to imagine in your mind, see in your spirit What does it look like for you to rant, to rave, to boast? I know there's kids. Actually, you know what? There's kids. Kids are the perfect picture of what it looks like. That's what it looks like. And can I say, this is putting your trust in him. So ranting, raving, boasting, acting clamorously foolish. We're going to release this sound over Pompano Beach. We're going to ask the Lord. We're directing it to Jesus, but we're asking the Lord, God, would you intervene in the mayor's office? 
Would you intervene in the city council? Decisions that are being made for this specific city, we ask you, Lord, to come and your will to be done. Quick story. A friend of mine was teaching this in Nicaragua. All over the country, they gathered a bunch of people together to halal the Lord, about 10,000 people. They were going to break the Guinness Book of World Records for the longest sound of praise. And they all, they praised, they rejoiced for three and a half hours without any music. They just praised the Lord. It was supernatural. At the same time, Carlos Slim, the famous Mexican billionaire, was flying over Nicaragua on his way to Brazil to plant a factory there. And one of his aides said, hey, by the way, did you know in this little city of Matagalpa that they're doing something crazy? They're, they're gathering together to break the, the record for sound of praise or whatever. And he was like so moved by what he heard that he rerouted his plane to land there. He met with all of the leaders and the pastors that were involved with this meeting. And as a result of them Praising God, he changed his mind and he put his factory in their little city, one of the poorest cities in Nicaragua. Think of all the money that flowed in. People had food on their tables. They had cars, gas, jobs, purpose. The morale was... Think this is what happens when we begin to do what God told us to do. Pompano Beach needs Jesus, amen? Harbor Church, you are a praising group. I was here for a long time. I know it. I know Darren and Wendy. I know what they carry. This is about kingdom and seeing the kingdom come. It's not even about flash and great music. and It's not about attracting people. It is about attracting heaven. We want heaven here. All right. To rant, to rave, to boast, to act clamorously foolish. I know. It's Sunday morning and we all look great. I don't want to do it. Can I just say on the count of three, release whatever sound you have. For as long as you can. And you'll feel it in the room as it starts to dissipate, okay? And I want you to direct it to Jesus, and then I want you to direct it to the thing that's standing in the way from his kingdom coming to Pompano Beach. Amen? You ready? I just saw a vision of children coming back to the Lord. Children coming back to the Lord. Your, your son's coming back to the Lord. 
your daughter's coming back to the Lord. There is authority in our praise to see the heavens open over our children. Father, I thank you for what you're doing in this place. I thank you for the the praise. I pray for just the deposit of praise that's already here, Lord. May it be uncovered. May it be like finding a, a rare diamond in the middle of the rough, Lord. I ask that it would be revealed. I ask, Lord, that you draw people to this place. I thank you for a new wave of musicians and singers and dancers and thankers and greeters and people who love your presence, Lord. And Lord, I thank you that you're raising up a generation of Jesus freaks that love Jesus more than they love the world. So Lord, we bless this house. We prophesy your prosperity in every way, in every little thing. In Jesus' mighty name, amen. Thanks for tuning in to the Harbor Church Podcast. I hope that you were enriched, inspired, and blessed by what you heard. Please subscribe on the podcast app and be sure to follow us on Instagram, YouTube, Facebook, and Twitter. You can also download our Harbor Church mobile app. Thanks for listening, and we'll see you next time.